Welcome back, Freedom Junkies, to another episode of Freedom Junkie Radio. It is time. It is overtime. In fact, things are starting to come flying at me, and we have got to create some solutions. I mean, we've been on it. We've been creating solutions. It is the the last couple of years have been full of problems and solutions that are coming forward. Today, I'm going to welcome back Govinda Tidball. Govinda, welcome back to Freedom Junkie Radio. It is great to be here, Betsy. And uh, it's also, it's it's a pleasure to have seen how Freedom Junkie Radio has grown. Um, I, I've just very much enjoyed uh, watching your journey and the journey of your audience. And uh, it's a pleasure to be back here. Great to see everybody. Hi, everyone. Okay. So the first time I, first of all, you were like my second or third interview and that was really awesome. I had no idea who you were at the time. Just you had, someone had said, you got to get this guy on. And you were in Sri Lanka the first time I interviewed you. And if people go back and listen to that, we were talking about um, human trafficking mainly because that's Mm -hmm. something that you've been um, part of the solution for in the past and you're many iterations this lifetime, the things that you've come into this lifetime to do, which are phenomenal. And I'm so, I'm so like pleased with myself that we came in, that I got to (laughs) coincide with your life and a lot of people's, there's so many cool people on the planet right now. But what we're going to talk about today is what, what spurred this conversation that needs to happen. There's a lot of things and they're very important because we're going to be talking about solutions but you just got back from Sri Lanka. You went back and we're going to talk about what you saw there, which basically was after the collapse. That's what's correct. Yeah. So, so we, so there's, yeah, there's a lot of different things we can talk about today, but, but part of this conversation was sometimes people don't realize what's happening all over the world and different countries. And you can learn lessons from what's happening in these other places and not repeat the same, the same problems and the same mistakes that other places make. So one thing that happened in Sri Lanka, and this is a little bit uh, recent history, but people forget that Sri Lanka had that Easter bombing, that uh, attack that took place in the country where simultaneously there was a terrorist attack in a number of hotels and a number of churches. There was a bombing that took place. But what happened was that that bombing, this was pre-COVID nonsense, right? So, but what happened when that took place was the, um, that just wrecked the country's economy for that year because a big chunk of that country's economy was based on tourism. And uh, a lot of the aftermath of that, that gave them a really bad economic year. And then COVID ended up happening not too long after that. So the, the repercussions of financial mistakes corruption, you know, foreign currency reserves, all those kind of things. It was thrown out of balance a good 12 to 18 months ahead of the rest of the world, meaning that it's kind of the canary in the coal mine for what can happen in other places a little bit further down. So kind of observing some of these examples are places where you can actually get some insights into some of the things that can happen and take place. So yes, Sri Lanka did have a currency collapse uh, which was an avoidable currency collapse, by the way. These are completely man-made, man-made problems around the world. And uh, people need to know that too. That the sky is not falling at this point. What's happening is systems are breaking that are corrupt and 
evilly designed, evil designed systems in the first place. That's what's breaking around the world, not uh, not the fundamental things that 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 we we require and that we need for our lives. So, so what what's happened is uh, is over there was because of bad fiscal policy um, and people kicking the can down the road. Eventually, what happens is you run out of road. At some point, you will run out of road. And so what happened and took place in Sri Lanka was they ran out of road. And at that stage, um, and this is why, you know, the scriptures are very powerful, the borrower servant to the lender. I mean, this is just what it says. It, it's another scripture that says, if you lack the means to pay, your very bad will be snatched out from under you. So these are the kind of things that are now happening there, where the country has basically run the engine without oil. And so now the repercussions of that are <clears throat> there's very little uh, bargaining power and negotiating power on anything that happens and takes place there. You've got global powers now coming in and deciding how they want to divvy up what happens and what takes place in that country. So you've got very large powers globally that are deciding because of the current country's debt situation, they're just carving the place up. And because you have corrupt uh, leaders in positions of power there, they're making decisions that are going to negatively affect this generation and future generations as of right now. So if, if anybody wants to see what a currency collapse looks like, just look at the, the currency exchange chart for the Sri Lankan rupee to the dollar. And you'll see it was just like this. It was just a straight line, straight line, straight line. And then overnight, it just went from here straight like that. And then it just trailed off like that going forward. So what happened was there was a certain point where the manipulation stopped. They could manipulate it no longer. And at that point, then everything broke out. So when we had spoken before, I, I remember you saying that the middle class was basically wiped out. Yeah. So here's, here's what happens. So, um, and this is also one reason why the debt-based monetary system is very dangerous and very evil. So what the rich always have ways to remain rich. They're very strong in assets. They have a lot of different options. They have connections to be able to get ahead of what most people end up having to endure, right? The poor have always been on that edge, you know? So, They've always been just trying to struggle, trying to survive, work with whatever's there. A lot of them uh, end up becoming victims and, and dying during these situations. Nobody talks about those stories. But the middle class, that's the group that just gets wiped out in these situations. And here's why. If your savings overnight are worth half, not that you the number's still there, but the purchasing power, the value of that is not there anymore. So now you you wake up the next day and what you thought this should have bought, this, this currency should have bought, what you thought this should have bought. Let me grab my example in U.S. here. Okay, so here's our, our American greenback, right? This is that if this overnight, because what is this? Just a piece of paper. It's just the trust in this piece of paper in the U.S., what happens when you wake up tomorrow and this buys half of what it did today, right? So this is not actually real money. This was a trick. And, um, and most people don't recognize that this, how this trick worked on in America and, and where the people themselves are potentially in a big problem because of their participation in an evil system. 
And so it's the it's the understanding of what what we're dealing with and then how to get ourselves out of that. So part of the issue is our consent, right? We consent to certain things and by our consent and our participation, we either benefit from or are victims of whatever system that we participate in. Now, <clears throat> what's happened in that country over there is that people were participating. Right now, even today, most people do not understand money. They do not understand the difference between currency and money, real money and currency. Real money will have is a long-term store of value. Real money has, there, there is something that is backing that. Fiat currency, all fiat currencies historically go to zero. They always do. That's just what happens. So, you know, there's a life cycle of money, period. So when, when these things fall apart, what happens is, is that the powers that be will try to force the people to stay in that system while they themselves extract whatever value remains and why they themselves take care of their own, but they leave the, the general public, the general humanity holding the bag, right? Okay, and so, yeah. I, so that, I've been hearing that this is the, this we are at the end of a cycle, that there's no, the, um, can we do something to, to keep this inevitable end from arriving? And the answer is no, not at this point. Like you said, they've, we've been running the car without oil for way too long. And so, what can Americans do? Uh, name a few things that we can do to help hedge, you know, what we do have what, in order to try to survive through to where, because we're going to be talking about solutions. We're going to be talking about alternatives to all of these uh, evil, for lack of a better word, uh, things that the ways that we've been led down these paths to a certain way in banking, in a fiat currency or um, medicine that's driven us into uh, very poor health or a, uh, let's see, our education system, all these different things that are falling apart at the seams. Uh, and I know we're going to be talking about solutions to that today, to all those things. But what are some things people can do from your perspective, since you've seen the collapse, the economic collapse in, in Sri Lanka? What can we be doing right now to hedge? So so a few, a few things. One is um, think of this in terms of defense and offense, right? So if, if we're thinking in sports terms, there's certain things that we can do to to protect ourselves individually in our communities within our networks there's certain things that we can do together and then we and that we can we can take certain steps um and then there's proactive steps that we can take as well so it so individual steps uh you know these are things like just say for example we just had in austin texas uh they just got the power back right okay so it's been about a week where the power has been down in austin texas off of a shock to the system just because of the way that certain things have been done and hadn't been addressed even after snowmageddon took place so basic basic things um okay just think about in terms of if you needed to be wherever you were right now for the next couple of weeks could you be there without 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 panicking 
right? So something happened, something took place. Could you be there in just your natural basic uh, <clears throat> basic situation? So because there's different cycles for how things happen and certain responses that we need to be prepared for for a couple of weeks, for a month, for three months, because each one of those those elements end up having a different level of response. Doesn't mean that you're going to be able to cover everything, you know, under the sun. It just means that you are you've taken just a little bit of preparation will carry you a long way. Your basic prepping. You're talking about prepping. So, so I'm talking about some basic prepping to start with of just because see, one thing is that it is the fact that most people are, you have to think before you have to think. All right, let's just put it like that. You need to think before you have to think. So if you, if you say, okay, if you had to go back, you were just in Austin, Texas, the power went out because of a because of an ice storm. They had not prep, prepared. If you had to go back today and say, "Hey, we're going to have another ice storm next week, and we're going to have no power for a week," what are you going to do if you know that in a week from now you're going to have no power? Right? What would you do differently? Even if nothing else is just getting some batteries for your flashlights and you know making sure you have a little bit of water in the house what would you do what would you would you would you leave would you you know so thinking through those kind of things so basically think before you have to think just work through a couple not the wild scenarios of you know some sort of army coming in and storming but people get carried away just basic weather disruptions system outages systems not working not functioning what would you do and you and your friends do um so do some basic preparations there's just some simple formulas you can run uh so like for example if you need to make sure you can take care of people in your house international standards is three is 4.5 liters per person per day of water is what you basically need basically a little bit more than a gallon so a gallon of water per person per day for the number of people that you have or you plan to take care of in your house. Um, 2,500 calories per person per day. You can just run that out and just say, okay, if you want to take care of either your friends, your family, whoever's around you, here's what you need to put in place to make sure that they can be taken care of for this window of time. We actually don't need a lot to survive, but you just you, but you do need what you need. So just a little bit of preparation will go a long way, right? Here's another one. That would, that would just curtail the main suffering that happens when yes. the collapse happens and everyone's panicking. Well, that's the thing. It's like people panic. Think about like, um, I, I think I was out of the town when this one happened, but in Austin, they had a gas, the, the rumor of a gas shortage. And what ended up happening? Yeah. yeah, there's a gas shortage because because another part of all this stuff too is that perception and rumors and all those kind of things that go flying around. People are act like headless chickens, and they 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 basically you don't want to be with and in the crowd. If the crowd is panicking and going one way, the place you want to be is somewhere else because you know what you probably get the biggest issue by getting wrapped up in the crowd, right? So. Um, and the other thing too is when people panic, they they lose all sense and sensibility. They they stop thinking clearly, rationally, making good decisions. Um, you know, there's a just thinking. There's an old Twilight Zone episode, uh, like the black and white ones. Have you ever watched those? 
I mean, okay. not really. Way back in the day. Well, there's one where where these all these families they're all together, and uh, this is back during the time of like people are afraid of the atomic bomb. And then there's something that comes on the radio. They're all together. They're having this dinner. This guy just finished making a bomb shelter, and then there's a rumor that there's like some income incoming missiles. All of a sudden, everybody wants to cram into this guy's bomb shelter, and they all lose their minds trying to get inside of his shelter. Then they find out it was just a weather balloon, false alarm, but everybody has acted like complete animals, lost their minds, and then they reveal something about themselves, right? And it's just this thing of what happens when people panic. And listen, we are not fear-based people. Everybody listening to this show we are, we are operating beyond the frequency of courage. We're operating in our higher selves. Um, and one of my statements I make is I say, be aware, but not distracted. You know, there's a ton of distractions that are out there. There's a lot of things trying to come at you. These are very actually simple things that you can do. That if you do them, you, you operate from a position of strength. You operate from a position of knowledge and applied knowledge. It, if you can know a lot of things, but if you don't apply the knowledge that you know, it's worthless. Apply the knowledge. So, so here's a few simple things, right? Um, like having your local network, you know, having people that you trust, having people that have your back. Here's a simple, simple thing. Would you trust somebody with your kids? If you wouldn't trust them with your kids, they can't be part of your local network. Have those kind of trustworthy people that are around you that are in your circles, that you can connect with, and that you're there for them, they're there for you, right? Here's another one, have a family action plan, right? If you've got, so the problem is, is that if you've got something that happens, okay, what then do you do? And do people actually know what they're going to do? Do we all check in with, you know, with, uh, with Betsy? That's the person that you check in with even if you can't check in with anybody else so that people know, so they're not calling 50 people, they know to check with Betsy and just that she will know that if you're okay or not. Is there a place that you would go? Is there a place that you would meet, right? These are um, practice, um, you know, practice whatever it is that you're gonna do. Just do a dry run. What, this is why, why they do fire drills, right? This is, so, this is the kind of thing, this is basic prepping that we, the my network of people have been talking about for over 10 years. And the thing is, it's easy. You're saying all these basic things that I feel like everyone should have done. But the other thing is, if you did it five or 10 years ago, it's time to revisit all of this stuff. I had no idea when I was going to get you on and talk about post like economic collapse in Sri Lanka that we were going to be coming back around to prepping. I didn't yeah, know. So, so that's, that's one thing on the, the, that's on the defensive side. Now let's talk about the offensive side, right? Let's talk about the proactive side. Let's talk about the kind of things that people can do. <clears throat> they should be, if you don't, if you don't like the way that things are, change them and be part of the involvement in that change. See what's, what's happening right now. This is, this is why people are, there, there, you, if you're watching mainstream news, which in and of itself is, is a mouthpiece and a propaganda outlet for those that have, that have bought the shares and the equity of, to control the voice of those, those outlets, right? So you're listening to a panic set of people trying to control a narrative and a certain perception around what happens and takes place. Rather than that, if you were to start seeing, okay, 
say there's going to be some sort of issues, some sort of disruptions, their systems are going to fail and break anyways. The only thing they're doing right now is trying to keep the dollar afloat long enough to push through CBDCs, which is the worst idea. And I want to talk about that. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so in, in this regard, every system that we need, so, so basic systems, right? Food, water, clothing, shelter, medical. Then we need transportation, logistics, communications, real money, real, real exchange, not slave money, slave system money, which incidentally, the US dollar is the number one slavery tool in the world. And I can back that up in a number of different ways to explain how that is and how that works. Debt even though we're going to be telling people to use cash. Well, even because what? As an interim step. I'm talking about interim steps. See, the longer that you've had a problem or an issue, it's going to take you a little bit longer to get out of it. You have to start thinking in proactive, progressive steps to get out. So, so is cash better, better than going digital? Yes. But is cash a solution? No. You know, we have to have real exchange, real money backed with intrinsic value. That should be the way that any sane operating society works and functions. The reason that many um, of the those that are responsible for, quote unquote, the government of our societies don't like that is because it does put constraints on them. If you have to deal with real money, now you have constraints because you can't just print it. And, and, and you can't just kick that down the road for us to have to deal with in this time. Because see, if we actually had a real monetary system, we wouldn't be having this conversation today because we these, these things would have never come up. Yeah, we would all, we would have, uh, there would, the wealth of your average American would be so much higher because it wouldn't have been taken from us. Our, our standard of living is being depressed. It's, it's oh. not just being depressed, it's being, it's being stolen. <clears throat> so the, the, the reason is that it, it's, so in that exchange, what happens, like, let's, let's go back to Let's go back to our, our, our example, right? Okay, so we have our example. Okay, so if I was to give you this, right? And, and, and you were to put it on that table right there and we were to leave it for a year and come back, does it still buy what it did? Not even, not even not close. Not even close. Now, so, but here's the problem because this is not a, a transaction of with a real asset where it actually is a store of value. It's not. So what happens is there's somebody else engaged in this process. And whoever it is that's engaged in that process, they're stealing value out of the back door because of this instrument, right? This instrument allows them to steal from you by your participation in it. By you and I using this, it allows people to steal from it and steal from us because we use it. If we don't use it, this doesn't work. If you don't no. use it as a medium of exchange, it doesn't work. If it were backed by gold, that would be a different story. And it was. It and was. That, that's how they got everybody to use it in the first place, is because it was backed by gold. And, the, and they changed that ratio along the way, and then they just removed it entirely because of repatriation. Now, it, in the end, today, it's just backed by a promise by people that have... Um, no credibility. Uh, that, you, yeah, we have no credibility. Why would you trust a promise from a person with no credibility? So this is where, now here's the thing. If 
we the people start finding our own ways to exchange value. Now, whatever that is, if we have ways that we exchange value that's based on, I don't want to recreate the, the problem. I don't want to recreate what we just came out of. We don't want, hey, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. We don't want to recreate the same slavery system. And that's why there's a lot of people coming up right now with their solutions. And I'm not impressed because they're basically trying to offer, here's another swap into the same thing. And it's another slavery system. No. You know, it's it's the, the FTXs of the world. No, we need to be saying no to those things. We need to have some, some solid people with integrity that are standing up with answers and solutions and bringing those things forward. And people need to be doing their part to support back and build those up. In every place where we know that there's going to be a problem or there is a problem, we need to be bringing forward our solutions, our answers. Here's something to remember. <clears throat> Where do the governments of the world get the resources that they get to use to govern and to uh, do everything that they do? Where do they come from? Through theft from the people. They come and through from the people. Whether it's by our consent or through theft, doesn't matter. It still comes from the people. Everything that governments of the world have and are able to use comes from we the people. Right. That's people think, oh, I'm getting it from the government. It's like, no, you're not. You're getting it out of my pocket or your other you're neighbor's from, pocket. You're getting it from yourself or from, from some other shell game, but it's still coming from we the people. Governments create nothing. They create nothing. This is something people have to get. They create nothing. And so when you know they that they create take nothing, a lot and they, they spend they, a lot. Their responsibility is to is to properly manage the resources that are entrusted to them by the people for the benefit of the all, right? So they always talk about roads and bridges, but they never talk about where the actual money's going, right? So if you put in a road and everybody shares that road and uses that road, it's much better than Betsy building her own road or Govinda building his own road. That's very time consuming, very labor intensive, uh, very costly for an individual. If I'm, now if I'm the only one using that road, fine, that makes some sense. But if a bunch of people could benefit from that road, if we all share the cost of putting something like that together, it makes a lot of sense for us to all participate together for the benefit of that's that should be a functional government. So what we have today is a monster. You know, we have we've got we've got uh, uh, unaccountable bureaucrats that are that do not serve their constituents, by and large, they're so far detached. And a lot of them are just part of a revolving door with a lot of unsavory vested interests on the other side. Now we know that, we can talk all day about that, but, but the thing that we have to know is where the power is. The power is with us. You're the power, Betsy, I'm the power. The, the, the greater is he that's in us than he that's in any of the world systems or any of the things that are around us, right? But one of the mistakes that we make is our consent. So I, I mentioned to you, I had this with me today. Here's our Black's Law Dictionary, right? 1891, and here's the reason why I like the one from 1891 as compared to- You got the to, first edition, it says. I got the first edition, right? That, that's worth gold right there. Okay, well, let me read you something from the first edition before um, they started changing things, mind you, because everybody's seen the revision of the term of what a vaccine is, right? You see how they rewrite things. 
they they rewrite things throughout. They, they steal books, they hide them, they burn them, they get them away from you because hey, if you don't know what it actually said, then you know we'll, we'll be talking about a new definition that they've just rewritten right before the meeting, right? Okay, so what's let's look at the term consent. Consent is a concurrence of wills. First one, expressed consent is that directly given either via voice or in writing, right? Via voice, via VOCE, or in writing. <clears throat> the next one, implied consent. And this is a very big one. Is that manifested by signs, actions, or facts, or by inaction or silence, which raises a presumption that the consent has been given. Consent is an act of reason accompanied with deliberation, the mind weighing as in a balance the good or evil of each side. There is a difference between consenting and submitting. Every consent involves a submission, but a mere submission does not necessarily involve consent. Okay, so here's the reason why this is important. A lot of what is happening in America right now is under the presumption of implied consent. Because the people say nothing, because they remain silent, because they go along to get along, the assumption is that you are okay with all of it. And they will keep going until we, the people, deliberately, overtly remove our consent and say no. And we have to do that in every area that we do not agree. And everybody else needs to, you know, one of the, the, the issues around the shots, the injections, was that you had so many people around the world in their life that never wanted to make a decision. They always wanted somebody else to do the fighting for them, somebody else to solve everything for them. And this became an issue where every person was forced to make a decision of where they stood on an issue. And a lot of people weren't used to that. And so what did they do? They gave away their, their thought, their logic, their process to um, quote unquote experts. And today, what's happened as a result of that? These weren't experts. These were, were bought and paid for, um, you know, they, they were not experts, obviously. Because the true experts were silenced. Those voices were put to the side. They were, everybody, they knew what was going on. You no, know, I think this, a lot of this stems from our education system and how we as parents and this next generation of parents, we have got to start allowing our children to make mistakes and to learn from them and to learn to make their own decisions. We've, um, I know up until a certain, uh, you know, until you're, four or five years old, all your decisions are made for you. That's totally important. You know, not, not all of them. In fact, the younger you can let them start choosing which pair of shoes they want to put on or making decisions that they have to live with the consequences. If they put on sandals and they start getting rocks in their sandals because you're going hiking or whatever, you know, just let them fail. And it's hard to do as a parent to watch your child 
about to make a giant mess and you want to jump in. It's like, you know, let it happen. This is so important. And then we go to school. Hopefully people aren't sending their children to school more and more and more. I know that that's happening, but you send them to school and you have to sit in your desk and be good and be on time and learn how to submit and learn how to jump through hoops and to do as you're told. And then you get patted on the back with a good grade and, um, we have been so conditioned as a society to, to not make decisions unless it's the same decision everyone else is making. We want to fit in in school. Everyone wants to fit in. You know, we homeschool our kids and they don't have a clue about fitting in. It's kind of funny, uh, but I love it. They're, they're very uh, authentic and, and, and unique individuals, which I love seeing in the world. And, you know, something else while I'm spieling here that I want to jump in and say that people can do. You you said that if someone's watching this show or they're listening, that they're already to a place where they're uh, to a consciousness level of, of a certain level. And I agree with you because yeah. anyone who's having too much cognitive dissonance about what we're talking about will have shut it down already. They won't you know, be listening this far. But one of the things you have to do, and I think you were touching on this somehow, is is completely let go of the fear of death. What, if you're afraid of dying, then there's nothing. Then you're going to go into that defensive self-defense mechanism where you were going to talk about that too. Um, if you're in self-preservation mode, you're going to fail. You were saying that to me. Uh, you, you have to be beyond this. We you have to be like you know what. I am good. I, I, life has been, maybe it's been wonderful. Maybe it hasn't. It's been a learning experience. It's been beautiful. There's been beautiful moments. There's been love, whatever it is that I'm here to do. There's no guarantees anyway. You know, yeah. a lot of my favorite people died by the time they were 30 or 33 or 35. I'm well beyond that. You know, every day I get is such a gift. And so I'm going into this headlong for humanity, for my, my children, my grandchildren, for all of humanity, for everyone's grandchildren. I love human beings. We're freaking amazing. And, um, so I, you know, once you get, once you get over the fear of death, then you really can be fearless in general, I think. So I just wanted to throw that out there and then let you go. hundred percent agree with you because actually too, if you think, okay, so school system wise, Logic, reasoning, understanding, the ability to process information and to make a decision about what you just read or saw or viewed, right? Those are the kind of things that will serve you throughout life. Your ability just to, to repeat information back like a parent, that doesn't do anything, right? So our ability to, to, to process, to learn, to, to actually have, this is why an informed debate is important. We should have been able to, over these last years, put out different viewpoints, fight it out, argue it out, you know, say why you think what you think, come back on it, you know, think about it, think about it overnight, go shake hands with each other afterwards, give each other a hug and carry on. Like this, this should be a healthy dialogue. It, it helps people to actually know what they believe and why they believe. These safe spaces of our ideas and shutting down, that, that doesn't work. It doesn't work for, for making strong individuals and strong people that, that, can, that can actually birth things in this world. Well, and, and the way that they've been um, shuffling people in social media, I don't participate in the Facebook or Instagram or any of that. Um, but I, I understand that if you are of a certain persuasion, that's all they put in your feed. 
So you're, they're shutting down the other side completely. So we're having two entirely different conversations and they don't meet. Well, and, and absolutely. And, and the, that's part of, actually, that's part of the, one of the failures of even the design of these AI systems is that they, re, if just because you ordered pizza once doesn't mean you want to eat pizza for every meal for the rest of your life. But the assumption is, oh, well, this person likes pizza. So here you go. Here's pizza every day. And what happens is, is it's, it's called an echo chamber for a reason, right? You just start hearing viewpoints that reaffirm your worldview, whatever it may be. That's not healthy. It's, it's healthy to be exposed to, to different viewpoints, different levels, different understandings. When you create that separation and that distance, it actually creates a, a polarization between people, a misunderstanding between people. Um, you know, I, I remember, you know, just even back in a, in a house that, uh, you know, that my parents had, where at one point we had two dogs, we had four, um, and there was a there was some pups, you know, off of those. The two of them were puppies, and because they were moved to one side of the house, on the front side, and they didn't interact with the ones on the back side of the house for a long period of time, because they were two totally separate places. At the time where they they actually came together, they would fight because they would spend so much time apart. They actually would fight each other because they were not even around each other enough. You know that kind of situation happens when people are separate when we don't have these interactions when we don't have these exchanges this is just when we get isolated from people when we get separated from people the more the less we understand you know I, i've had the, the the privilege of traveling a lot in my life and i met so many people from so many different cultures so many different backgrounds by and large around the world we are 90 plus percent the same. We have, we have similar, similar hopes, similar dreams, similar convictions. Maybe we disagree on how to get to certain things, but the underlying root cause of why we do what we do is, is very similar. And we should have grace for each other. We should have a desire to have some understanding with each other. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, something I'll, I'll say, I, I mentioned this to somebody recently, just for a bit of understanding, even around the whole thing that happened with all these shots. Okay, every parent that vaccinates their child does it because they love their child and they wanna protect their child. Every parent that does not vaccinate their child does not vaccinate their child because they love their child and they wanna protect their child. It's every one of them is still coming from the same exact place. The difference is the information that they're working with to make that decision. That so this sound, Govinda, we're all the same. You know, there's yeah. that, that meme, we're not the same. We are the same. <laughs> we're, we're, we're the, we're the, and so, and so this is where we have to give some grace to the people that, yes, I know things got heated over the last three years and people said things they, they shouldn't have said and they did things they shouldn't have done. And there's some people that some, that's some pretty awful stuff. But a lot of the people that made certain decisions on an individual level, not, I'm not talking about government tyrannical and, and these big business interests that are trying to grab control of people. That's not the group I'm talking about. I'm talking about the end users. A lot of people out of fear-based consciousness and out of just not knowing what to do, did and said a lot of things that they probably should not have. So now what we need to be looking at is solutions because we, we have a hurt world. We have a hurt population. We've got a lot of people that are damaged right now, and we need to be having an open conversation about that and what can we all do collectively to buy some time and if possible, heal.
as much as we can. So those are the kind of places, because anything past that is not going to help. Yes, we need adjudication. Absolutely. We, we, we need a functional justice system in this country, which we do not have, and very clearly. We do not have uh, discovery happening. We do not have um, a functional judiciary that can actually follow up on these, these things. And that's part of the frustration. When evil is allowed to continue to perpetuate, it will just continue to happen again and again and again. Okay, I want to shift into the digital IDs and digital currency, because this seems to be the hot button topic everyone's talking about. Uh, they're, they're really, it feels like they're ushering in Agenda 2030, which is, I mean, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know about UN Agenda 2030. We've been talking, it's been on the books now since the 1990s, I believe, maybe even the 80s. And it is where you will own nothing and be happy. They, if you look at the map of the United States, uh, the Agenda 21, Agenda 2030 um, map of the United States, have you seen that? I, I mean, I've seen, I've seen a lot of different stuff. Um, okay. well, I mean, there I know the UN, there's a literal UN map of the yeah. United States where when Agenda 2030 is complete, this is what it looks like. And 90% of the United States is off limits to humans. Except for them, of course, they'll be able to go. But if we will be pushed into these little tiny, and it's because of climate, whatever. And so um, the way to really effectively usher in all of the, the just for lack of better term, bullshit that they're trying to push on humanity is to give us a digital ID that we have to have, like no more just driver's license, which that's you know questionable too. Why do we have to participate? But in order to get online, in order to use your email, in order to have a bank account, in order to go to the grocery store, in order to buy gasoline, in order to do anything at all, you will have to have this digital ID, which combines everything about you, your health records, <clears throat> your banking records, your voting records, probably everything you've ever said online. Uh, it'll be a way to crack down on dissent completely. They're doing it in China. We can look and see what's, what the people are dealing with over there, which is absolutely heartbreaking. This idea of liberty and freedom, if it blossoms in your heart, which I believe it blossoms in every human heart. It's like when you feel sorry for um, a caged animal at the zoo, look in the mirror that's where we are right now and it's getting worse and so if this digital id and its little um cousin the the central bank digital currencies get implemented which they're pushing and they're uh it's already being started in places in Europe. They've already voted on it and agreed that they're going to start these digital IDs, which will have your vaccine passport. It's all the same thing. You won't be able to travel. You, They'll be able to crack down on everything. And so what... There's this whole idea of, of, of exit the system and start something new, and people are doing that. Uh, you can homestead, you can go try to just grow your own food and everything, but the plan so, then is to sweep everybody up and put them into these 15 minute cities. So, yeah. So, so, so one, so one, okay. There's a, there's a lot to unpack there. Right. Um, 
first of all, it's not just a push. It's a panicked push to try to get this whole thing through. And there's a difference. You know, they, they're not... Um, they're not very good at contingencies. You know, they don't know what to do when things don't quite go according to plan. And a lot of things have not gone according to these globalist plans. Um, Davos was a laughingstock. You know, everybody, it was, it was a complete mess. It was a complete, uh, you know, it was just the, the entire conversation there was about all of these crises. These guys wouldn't know a solution if it, if, if an actual solution. Yeah, they've got things that they're trying to bring in and trying to build and trying to push. The entire, but it's so far detached from what's actually possible and what actually can work for us and for the people. The, the computers can be a tremendous aid to humanity, provided that humanity and who we are as humans is respected. But if it's used as an enslavement tool, absolutely awful. And so what, what these controllers are trying to do, these, these um, which they're losing this battle actually, is they're, they're trying to push through this agenda for the sake of control. It's all about control. It's all about a, a, a plan that they have that they're trying to get ramrodded through. They, they, and if the people themselves wake up and don't participate, and that participation can just be in subtle areas, sometimes it can be in overt. It doesn't mean you have to get everything right. It just means that you do a few things, right? So for example, um, you know, I love one of your guests, Jim Gale. Uh, he and I have become quite quite good friends, and um, you know what he's doing with the uh, uh, um, Freedom Farm Academy and teaching people to grow and the permaculture movement. It's very powerful. Why? Because uh, I mean, even right now, I have spinach growing just outside my front door. I walk out there every day. I have a salad. I don't even think twice about it. It just grows right there. Now, <clears throat> took a little while to get that going. I you know developing my green thumb doesn't mean I'm going to know what I'm doing first time out, but you know what? I'm going to try. I'm going to fail. Uh, I'm going to try again. And then the third or fourth time, Hey, I got something sort of figured out. It works. Here's the thing. Start, 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 do something in line with what you truly believe. Don't sit there like a deer in the headlights. So in every place that these guys are trying to get control, part of what they're doing is trying to get control via what I call choke points. Right. So think about this in terms of if you're all spread out all over the place and people are homesteading and having ranches and farms and enjoying themselves and enjoy. No, they can't control you. They need you in a centralized location where they can lock people down. Right. And everything electrified. But when people are spread out and they're all over the place, they, they have difficulty with that. So um, right now we're coming to a place where informationally we can do what we're doing right now. You can be anywhere in the world and have a conversation. So we don't need to be in these racked and stacked cities. We have no need for it. We have we, but we're tough to control if we're further around. It, it, it's, it's so there, there is an agenda that they have that they're trying to push, but at the same time, the reasoning for it, we can break through that. If anything is, if you actually look at the actual reasons around the conversations that they have, they're always one-sided. They they remove the, the debate because they can't win the debate. Um, the CBDCs, as you mentioned, it's a horrible idea. And on several levels, why? It's everything wrong with fiat and everything wrong with crypto. Right. Both of them. And, and nobody wants it. Okay. But 
But so yes. when, so here's, here's what I think they're going to do when the, the, uh, the lid's going to get blown off the inflation. They've even talked about having a weekend where, oh, the banks close and then Monday morning they're not open. And basically it's the collapse of the currency, a, a purposeful one because it's going to happen anyway. So they collapse it. And then when they have to, suddenly they have a, a panicked population who has no access to their money or anything. And they go, okay, so it's kind of the Hegelian dialectic, create the problem and, and offer the solution only one solution and here it is okay about a week later sorry about that we are reopening your bank accounts and now it's called cbdc's that's just what it's called your money's still there you can go use it you can't get it out physically there's no more dollars we've gone cashless we warned you of this and it's happened now that's what I think is going to happen. I don't think we have a choice in the matter unless we start talking about it so much that I'm trying to figure out how we cannot participate even when that's the case. Okay, so so right now, keep using cash. Um, force people to take cash. If they don't, if you can't buy from a place with cash, find a place that will take your cash. Because you know right now they're bribing restaurants to convert over to cashless. They're, they're bribing businesses. Yes. Uh, Visa just offered, for those of you who don't know, Visa this past week, I think, offered $10,000 to small businesses. Just cash, no questions asked. If you'll go cashless, you get $10,000 to go cashless. Which and, is, and cash which... is a pain in the butt. Really, when you think about it, it can be stolen by workers. It has to be accounted for. People mm -hmm. can make the wrong change. I I, I see. There's, a, there's an appeal, but also they're you know visa and all these groups that are doing that every time you make a transaction now for the rest of your life you will they will get whatever that if it's two and a half if it's three percent whatever that merchant commission is to do nothing other than just absorb that from you now that that for a lot of businesses um oh here's something if you want to do this as a business pass that on to the customer if whatever your cash price is tack on three percent after a while, people start paying you cash if you want to keep cash alive, if you want to buck that system. Because you know why? Most people, they do it out of convenience. And I, I know I'm going to say this is going to be controversial, but they do it out of convenience. But the merchants themselves is very expensive for the merchants. So say a lot of restaurants or things like that, your profit margin may be 6 7% of the actual gross total by the time you get done paying for your food costs your overhead costs, your, your labor charges, you know, whatever other expenses, your marketing charges, the rest of it, that 3% that gets sucked out of the system by them can be sometimes even half of your profit if you actually looked at it on the books. So it gets very expensive. These, these, these charges, and if you just look at a system like that, just that, let's leave the fiat currency aside and just look at that transaction piece. If every time they're extracting that off of, if it's a closed system, if there's just $100 that's going back and forth. And each time it's just going back, back and forth between two people. Somebody's taking 2%. Now it's 98. Now it's you know 96.2. Now it's you, you just keep going back and forth like that. Eventually, there's nothing left because it's been extracted to 2% at a time in a closed system of just two people having a conversation, two people having an exchange. So their business is based on extraction and exploitation. So giving somebody $10,000 to basically opt in and consent to a 
extraction system for the rest of your time. And I guarantee you, that was a credit. That wasn't even, they didn't give you $10,000, they gave you a credit on the visa system. You know, that's an incredible insight, Govinda. I hadn't, I mean, I realized the uh, the illusion of when I give you $100 because you are giving me some, some ground beef and then I give you back, you give me back that $100 because I'm giving you a bunch of carrots. It's all an illusion. The, the money's an illusion. I get that. But the way you just said it, that they're extracting 3% every time we make uh, an, an exchange between two people. By using the system. That, that's an amazing, system. that's amazing insight. And so um, even though they're going to try to ram through these CBDCs and the digital ID, um, up until that point, using cash is so important. Mm -hmm. If we could keep cash alive, um, then they can't take it away from us. Because if, if, if a certain percentage of the population is like, you know, this is what I do. This is what I, I use cash. The merchants are going to keep taking it. And so um, it's hard to do because if you spend $500 a week or you spend $1,000 a week or whatever it is you spend, or you spend $100 a week, uh, you know, whatever it is, it's hard, first of all, to look at that in the face and, and say, oh my gosh, this is what I spend when it comes to groceries, stopping and getting gas, all the little mm -hmm. things we do, and then go and get that out in the form of cash and actually do it. I've tried to do it. I've been following Catherine Austin Fitz and doing the, the Cash Fridays. I've tried to use cash only. And I go mm -hmm. get $300 worth of groceries and whip out $300 of cash. I mean, that's going to the bank a lot. And, um, and it, and you feel that many, and it's so much easier sometimes to just be like, I'm going to use my card. Right. So it, it takes dedication on our part to do it. And then the other thing is there are, I went through a car wash the other day. My car was just so dirty. We had gone to Colorado and it was a mess and it says we're about to become cashless. And I'm like, that's my favorite car wash. They do a great job. I love the kids that run the place, but I need to personally go have a talk with that owner of the business and, and and that's the thing if you do that okay so let's let's make this tangible for people you don't have to do it on every transaction if you have a friend doing it on half the transactions if you and a friend do it on half of your transactions that's a full person right it's that it's not that we do it on everything and we get everything right all the time the more people many hands lighten the load if 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 you if if twenty percent of the customer base of any business said you know what I don't think I'm going to come here if you don't take cash just twenty percent that business is not going to change over they don't need a hundred percent of people to say I'm not going to come through why twenty percent is the difference between them being profitable and a loss making company you're right here's the thing I I am less now about oh, we need to, everybody needs to know, everybody needs to wake up. No, we don't. We talked about the American Revolution. Remember recently we had a chat about that. And I was just, I was finally doing a little bit of pleasure reading and I started reading a book uh, that was gifted to me on the American Revolution. It's a fascinating book on the history. But one thing was just how few people actually were involved in what took place to make this nation what it was and fought for the independence of this nation. It wasn't that many. From according to this book that I read, um, you know, a third of a third of the people were actually the ones that said, you know what, we need to break from this. This is not working. Then a third of them were loyalists to the crown. And then there was a third that basically were indifferent. They would go whichever way the wind blew. 
It didn't matter. At the time of the American Revolution, with 2.5 million people in the colonies, we should have been able to field an army of men, of, of able-bodied men that could have bore arms of 700,000. But we only had an army of 1 16th that size. So what does that say about the number of people that will actually show up when the time comes to, but here's the thing, you're living in the aftermath of, of the decisions that other people are making, whether it's the globalists and the bankers and the cartels and those guys, or whether it's the people that are fighting for your freedom, either you can sit on the sidelines and say, you know what, whatever, my destiny is in the hands of everybody else out there, or you can go and make your destiny. There's a six and a half percent of the able-bodied men that fought for this country. Those are the ones that made the destiny for this nation. Those are the people you should be saying thank you to, not the rest of them. The rest of them, they would have gone whichever way it went. Why do you say thank you to that person? They haven't done anything. They sat there and they watched while other people suffered, bled, and died for their freedoms. So say thank you to the right people. Man, there are we are amazing. Human beings are just amazing. We're reading Texas history, my family and I, in the in our homeschool, and we just got through the whole the the good part where there's the Alamo and then where they get just crushed. And but they stood. The people yes. who stood were such badasses. I mean, yes. talk about this this inner will and strength and knowing that they were probably going to their graves. And then the way Sam Houston was able to hold back and hold back and hold back before uh, the Battle of San Jacinto, where they ended up crushing the Mexican army, just the same way they got crushed at, at the Alamo themselves. And um, it just this, there is an indomitable spirit in, I guess it's 6% of us that- That's the thing. It's it's not, and and- when you start to realize that, you know what? It's actually a very small group. That's that Margaret Mead statement. It's, it's, it's a small group of people, but they're committed. Those are the ones that change the world. It's always the ones that change the world. Well, and can you live with yourself? If you're one of those people who can just sit, aside, sit beside on the sidelines and say, okay, well, if it turns into a global agenda and we end up in 15 minute cities, you know, that's just how it's gonna go. If you're one of those people, how, I don't know how you can live with yourself. I I couldn't. I couldn't live with you. Couldn't live with myself. You know. I have to know that I've done something. And and it's hard too when you're on the front lines, like we are doing stuff. And I want to talk about some of the stuff that's going on because I want to give people some hope because there is stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on, and a and a lot of it's kind of on the sidelines and behind the scenes right now because you don't want to telegraph and all that. But um, oh, I forgot where I was going with that. Something about just. Uh oh, how no one's on the front lines forever. It's okay to take a break. It's okay mm -hmm. to take a breather. I took a big break from Freedom Junkie Radio. I just needed to. I needed to live and to plant my garden and to put homeschool first. And um, I I love the, the community that this has brought together of the minds that are coming together mm -hmm. with uh, the Freedom Junkie community. Um, and the freedom community around here, the people that are coming out of the woodwork and, um, but it's okay to take a break. Like you said, if, if you're spending cash half the time and someone else's, yeah. we all have to, and then there's this whole idea that we are creating everything with our, 
our thoughts. And so knowing that we're on the right side. I mean, those guys at the Alamo, there was no right or wrong side. It was just whether you wanted Texas freedom or whether you wanted Mexico to continue to pretty much own Texas. I mean, there really wasn't a right or wrong side there. I guess that you could say the same thing for the um, the American Revolution. It's not that there was a right or wrong side. There was, everybody thinks they're on the right side. But mm-hmm. um, you, you just can't, oh, oh, this idea that we're creating everything with the way that we're thinking. And if we're constantly thinking doom and gloom, then that's what we're creating. This is a hard one for me. And I know you get it because I know you understand what I'm talking about. Um, there's a whole group of people that say it's already been won. We're creating the new earth. And by even participating and thinking about that stuff and having boots on the ground when it comes to creating a new banking system or creating a new medical system, to me, that is creating the new earth. So I try to have a, a foot in both worlds and it's mm-hmm. hard. Um you can't, I, I can't go completely into the spiritual side where I'm in a, in a state of meditation and la, 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 this, you know, I'm creating this. I, I can't do that. And I can't go 100% into the 3D, um, full armor. I'm here. I'm doing this. I have to be in both worlds. And it's, it, it's. Yeah. No, I, and I, I think that's, that's a good, that's a good position. That's a balanced position. So I, that's back to that statement. I say, uh, be aware, but not distracted. It's kind of my ratio. There's like 10 and 90, you know, I've, I put 10% just to kind of stay aware of what's going on, but I put 90% of my energy into the actual actions Action. that will make a difference. I, I say this to people, the book of acts was written because people acted. you know, it was, it's, it's a book of actions. It's a book of things that people did. Um, you know, in the scriptures, they actually, this is what they did, and this is how they engaged, and this is what ended up happening. If if we take no action, nothing happens. And so there's one caution I have around the whole exit and build community is sometimes that's run away and build, and that's not it either. You know, it's not run away and build. If you, you, we should be creating, you know, there's, we talk a little bit about the American Revolution, that there's that scene in the movie Braveheart, uh, not Braveheart, sorry, uh, The Patriot, Mel Gibson, where everybody's running away from the front lines and he takes the flag and he's running towards the front line. And it's in that action that he took that all of a sudden everybody turned around. He didn't want to be there. He was among the indifference that we talked about. He wanted to stay out of the fight until it touched him personally. And see, this is something actually that is an important point to even what took place in Sri Lanka, coming full circle, of why people got in the streets kick the president out of that country, uh, all those kind of things. And still, it's still an ongoing saga. But it eventually affected everybody personally. And mm-hmm. here's the thing. Either you deal with this upstream or you will deal with it downstream. Either you you get into what needs to be done today. A lot of people should have got into what needed to be done two years ago, three years ago in this country. But you know, better late than never. Start today. But if you get involved today in what needs to happen and take place, because the further down that you go, the more that you let this metastasize, the worse it's going to be and the less you will be able to do about it further downfield. So, you know, with regards to things like CBDCs and the rest of those, those areas, if 
people have ways that they transact even in and among themselves that they build, that they set up, then you won't need those systems. The people will, people will choose. So let's talk. So let's talk about money. Um, Gratian's law. If you have, if I put a silver dollar on the table and I put a one dollar bill on the table, and you have to go into a shop to buy something for one dollar, which one are you using? Well, I would probably the the dollar bill is going to fit in your wallet easier. You're probably going to use that, but I would probably want to receive the silver if I were on the you receiving. Want to receive the silver, and you'd want to get rid of the dollar bill, right? The reason is, is because you, if you've got two things of the same value, but you will hold on to the thing that has the greater intrinsic value, even if they both have the same numeric value on the surface, right? We inherently all know and understand this. We get rid of bad money and we hold on to good money. We hold on to money that is better. And so inherently, that's, that's one of the reasons why the US currency is in so much trouble when you've got other places around the world now backing their currencies with something. Here, we do not have real money. So when any of these true money projects come up that people are working on out there of private money for private people, different ways of exchanging value, different options, right? There are a lot of things that are coming up. And I, the verdict is still out for me on which ones are going to be the ones that we all go with going forward, but I'm definitely looking at tracking several. Um, but we will inherently get rid of that which has no intrinsic value. We'll get rid of that and we will hold on to, retain, want to transact in and receive. Like you said, you'd want the silver dollar. You'd want the one, you'd want the thing that actually has real value. So when the things that we're transacting in are backed by real value, that's when you also secure the population. That's when you actually secure the people. You actually raise the, <clears throat> this is why. The globalists don't want people holding land and having land because mm -hmm. they want you racked and stacked in a place. Why? Because if you hold land, what can you do? You can grow something on that land. Well, there's it only three things that have value. Uh, your your precious metals, land, and food. So you said it. So those. So if you're going to start getting rid of some of your um, fiat, you might want to exchange it into one of those three things that Betsy just said. That's a good step right now in the interim time for small things that people can do while that fiat still has some perceived value. See, one of the reasons why they're increasing the interest rates and even at the expense of even collapsing their friends in the banks is because they're doing everything they can to get people to hold on to the dollar right now until they do the switch over to CBDCs. If you are out of the dollar, or if you're getting out of the dollar, or if you're divesting partially from the dollar into other things that have real value, you will give yourself staying power. You'll give yourself time. And that's what you're going to need to bridge between these failed things. See, here's the thing. When they bring out a program, there's also a limited amount of time that they can get that program out there. If it doesn't work, their thing fails. So, for example, with CBDCs, how long do you think they can keep the marketing efforts for that going and the push to get that going and people to switch over if they don't do it? You know, the whole vaccine, the, I don't, it's not a vaccine, COVID-19 experimental gene therapy injections, that whole thing is drying up now very, very quickly. That whole, that whole, because 
there's only so long they could sustain it and keep it going. And now the people that didn't get those injections are the people that they don't want around, which are the ones that were thinking and logical. And, and these are not the kind of people they want here after the fact. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that didn't trust it. And those are going to be the people that are the control group on the other side of this that are going to be saying, okay, well, now we need to, let's look at what happened. You know, now that we know who's involved, who got involved behind these things. These, these are, again, we need proper discovery. We need a proper legal follow-up, all that kind of lawful follow-up, not legal, but lawful. We need, so with regards to, um, in each one of those places right now, because people are transacting in these measures, just start using some of the value that is there to, in these debt notes, while you're divesting them, put it into things that will have some value and give you staying power over a window of time to outlast them and their agenda. If they don't get enough people to take up these systems, they will fail. Their rollouts will fail. How long can they hold out? How long can a restaurant that only takes cash have a restaurant, oh, oh sorry, only takes digital currency, does not take cash, how long can they stay in existence if people coming there, even a big chunk of them, wants to pay with cash and they, are they going to turn them away and they've got empty tables? That's not going to last for a long time. See, Betsy, if it, if it was not 6.5%, if we had 13%, if we had 20%, if we had 25%, the more many hands lighten the load, the more people that got in, get involved, the easier it is going to be to get this done. If more right. people got involved earlier, it would have been easier. So I think part of what we can do right now when people are looking for what can I do is start having these conversations. I went into a little herb shop here in Dripping Springs the other day, and it was the owner in there. And I was telling her how much I loved the shop and how amazing it was. And she said, "It's we've been here 11 years. And I was saying how amazing that was, that they've been able to, to have the staying power. And I paid with cash. I just bought a couple little things, paid with cash. She took it. We, and it was the next day I was thinking about it. And I thought I should have thanked her for taking cash and that I will continue to come and support her because she's taking cash. And so it's um, having conversations whenever we can, because we tend to be around the same people. They say, you're mm -hmm. the, you're the, you are, if you want a definition of yourself, look at the five people you hang around with the most. And uh, we tend to hang around the same people all the time. And whenever you are having a conversation um, you know, in the waiting room at the doctor's office with some random person. I don't know how we can, we should come up with a few ways of, of bringing up, uh, you know, what do you think about, uh, you know, just randomly saying to a stranger, uh, what do you think about digital currency versus cash? Just ask them a question, right? And see what they say, get them thinking. You know, and sometimes asking questions and a lot of times, helping people to reframe how they think about certain things. So for example, you know, everybody that buys a Tesla doesn't think that they're supporting slavery, you know, until they watch a video of all these 15,000, you know, kids sitting out there mining cobalt in the hot sun. Um, and then they realize that's what goes into making one battery. So it, it's just. And it, it's they, so use the, uh, they use the, they use, 
um, fossil fuels, or so to speak, uh, in order to um, charge these batteries. We use a lot of fossil fuels. And then when and when the battery's spent after their eight year warranty is done, uh, ten years in, first of all, it goes down in, in how much you're able to even charge it. So you're charging more and it's burning it up quicker, your range gets less. And then when you're actually done with it, where does that battery go? It, to, it needs to be disposed of. So now you've got a toxic waste issue. So you know, anytime that you have an electric vehicle issue, you've got a, a market, you also have a, a battery market and you have a disposal market. You've got a whole nother set of issues. Is there, are there green energy, quote unquote, green energy solutions? Absolutely there are, but not the ones these globalists are trying to bring forward, not the conversations they're trying to bring forward. So, you know, somebody that, again, is trying to buy an electric vehicle because they think they're helping, they, if that, that's back to the whole thing of where are they coming from? They're actually, they think that they're doing the right thing, but you're participating actually part of the problem. And this is where if people can get that, buy some of the questions. So, so the question could, you know, it's like, you know, have you, do you know how many, how much of that car is created by slave labor? I mean, we talked about blood diamonds. Why not talk about uh, blood batteries? This is such an important topic, Govinda, because the major car corporations, they're looking down the road into turning, I mean, we're talking Honda and Toyota. They're, look at their future is all electric. They are capitulating to this globalist push for the climate, whatever values that they're trying to put forward. And, you know, another thing, people need to just be open-minded about things. You know, carbon dioxide is good for the planet. The well, we're, we're carbon-based. We're carbon-based creatures. You know, we're, we're so we, the, the, the carbon, when you actually have, um, the, the situation in this world right now, in where we are, the, the agenda that they're pushing is a nonsensical agenda, but it has much more to do with control and much less to do with the environment. Uh, Betsy, you were, you've, been, you've been petitioning around the, um, the chemtrailing in the sky. If anybody is concerned about emissions, please look up into your skies, because you know what, the day, Everybody's talking about this balloon from China, right? The day after the ice storm in Texas, I look up and I sent this video to a couple of friends. I look up in the sky and here comes one plane. You could see when they turned the 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 they turned it on to start spraying, and then they sprayed right over the top of the city of Austin. Because I was downtown in a park and I'm looking up and I'm watching them spray overhead. So they go straight across the city. And in 10 minutes, this whole thing dissipates out. And then it's just coming down to settle right on top of the city. Now, everybody's talking about some balloon from China. You've got people spraying barium, aluminum, and God knows what else in those things on top of human beings living here for whatever reason. Now, where's the transparency? Where's the conversation? This is right there, right in front of people. This is not a chem, this is not a calm trail. This is a spraying of a, of something out of the back of a plane. Okay, so, I, 
I, I want to jump in here. There's, um, I saw some, something trying to debunk the, the chemtrails and that they were showing pictures from like the 1950s, 60s, uh, of like, there was a movie being like a, like some Charlton Heston movie or something where there's a chemtrail in the back. And it looks like one of the ones we see today. Okay, granted, they've had this technology for a long time. There may have been, and they show about three or four black and white photos or old um, movie clips or something where you can see a chemtrail or two. They've had this technology for a long time. So it doesn't surprise me that there would have been one or two in the sky back in the day. But you and I are old enough to remember clear skies with puffy clouds. And there was never, I never saw anything go straight across the sky except for the occasional contrail. Okay, so I wanna talk about how this started bothering me so bad about a year and a half ago. I have not told this story yet publicly. So this is the first time I was in the car with my 11 year old and we were watching the spraying in the sky and I was pointing it out and we were talking about it. And I've been watching it for five, 10 years. And I was like, somebody needs to do something about that. I said, no one's doing anything about it. No one's doing anything. And I looked at him and I said, I guess I have to. And so that was when I gathered some of the um, movers and shakers, people, you know, here in town, this, uh, if you get, if you want to get, if you want to do something to help, because we're at one of these places in history where it's like that American revolution time or whatever, where mm -hmm. Uh, or if you wanted to settle in Texas and they weren't allowing Anglos anymore, whatever, um, back at the time of the Texas Revolution, we're at one of those times when you can you can sit in your armchair and watch and see what happens, or you can you can do something if that's what your calling is. And there's a lot you can do. Um, you can start in your own hometown. You can find it just a handful of people who are who want to do something too and just start gathering once a week and start figuring out what your rights are we, we started to know your rights group two about two years ago and i learned so much we did a week on medical rights we did a week on natural rights we did a, re, a week on constitutional rights and we didn't know what we we had to research it ourselves okay what is this meet your straw man okay and, i'm recommending a couple of books right? okay along these same lines there's small books uh, and here's another one for you. Can you see that one? The UCC connection, how to free yourself from legal tyranny. I will, I, uh, Govinda is sharing a couple of, of reading suggestions for us. I Oops. will put them in the show notes. And here's why, here's why I recommend these books. There's so absolutely, you need to know your rights and you need to exercise your rights. Why is your driver's license in all capitals? Everybody's pull it out of your wallet right now. Take a look at it. Your okay. driver's license is in all capital letters because you are seen and viewed as a corporation, not as a sovereign individual, even though you are. And you need to know the difference between corporate you, corporation you, maritime law you, and real sovereign human being um, with rights that are given by your creator the most high, not through any other document. The documents may outline and, and highlight what we all know, but these are this is who you are. You need to know who you are, you need to know your rights, and you need to begin to exercise your rights uh, individually and collectively. So, you know, these, these you know, whether it's something like these um, chemtrails, well, 
I said I didn't consent to a high altitude crop duster. That's what you I'm know, saying. I, I, yeah. No, I, nobody asked I, me whether I was okay with being sprayed. Yeah. I, and I, I'm not consenting to um, this kind of exposure. In, now, if it's an act of war, if it's being done by, I, I, I want to know, what is that up there? So, you know, whoever the legislators are on the ground, could you please follow up? Because this is your role, uh, public safety, you know, um, taking care of the population, you're making sure people don't get sick. You don't know what's in that thing. So it's at the so these are places where again this is back to everybody needs to do their part. Okay. So, so yes. Okay, so I want to just finish the story real quick. I got together with a handful of people that I knew were movers and shakers and we uh at, at, the idea was we need to create legislation and we'll just start with the state of Texas because that's what we can do and set a precedent here um that you that unless we unless we consent as a population to being sprayed, which obviously we wouldn't if we found out what's in it. And so uh, there was a some really smart people involved in this movement. And we um, we wrote we've written a petition. If you're a, if you're a citizen of the state of Texas and you would like to sign this petition, we not only need you to sign it, we need you to send it and get more people. Send it out to your people. Go sit in front of the print out a copy, print out 10 copies and go sit in front of the grocery store. Do whatever you can do to get some uh, some signatures. We need as many as possible. I'd love them from all over the state. It is our petition and it's on iPetitions. If you go to iPetitions.com, I'll put all this in the show notes. The petition is called Stop Poisoning Our Families. I did not name the petition. Um, I did not like the name, but it's called Stop Poisoning Our Families. And uh, if when they ask for a donation, don't give one. It doesn't go to Clean Texas Skies, which is our uh, organization, or is it Clean Skies Texas? One of the two. Um, it, it is, uh, it, the, the donation goes to ipetitions.com. So don't do that. It's a little bit confusing, but you can sign the petition there. You don't have to make a donation at all. And um, so I, I wanted to just dovetail with what you were saying, the little things you can do. If, if a million of us do one little thing and actually follow through with it and do it, they don't stand a chance. So you don't have to do it all. I mean, I'm aware of way too much. You know, you are too. When we first started talking about solutions a couple years ago, um, we decided we've got a broken and corrupt education system. We've got a broken and corrupt banking system. We've got a broken and corrupt medical system. Okay, we can't do it all. And so at the time, being in the middle of COVID and realizing that people who were choosing not to take the injections were being turned away at hospitals. Like, what if you broke your leg? What if you needed a, a treatment? Uh, what were we going to do? And so this idea of creating a, a, a medical alternative to our system, which puts you into the shoots of of the pharmaceutical world, which was done on purpose by the Rockefellers in the early 1900s, we know the story, um, there should be an alternative. And you know what? The alternative that the, these brilliant and, and not so brilliant, just regular people got together and came up with these solutions. And I'd love for you to talk about that because um, whatever it is that you're that you'd like to share about the Ministry of Health, it is kind of funny that it's called that. Um, but it is... Um, this idea that the incentive, do, is it okay for me to talk about the incentive to the doctor? 
Yeah, well, so let's let's just let's just start with this one piece. Every again, for and by the people, right? So if we in this country, let's go we we've talked about currency, we've talked about you know governments, we've talked about all those things. Whatever systems that we set up should be for and by the people for the best interest of the people. And if we start with that, so a healthcare system. Oh, you mean one that's not that that's not for the benefit of the pharmaceutical companies? I know, right? <laughs> Amazing. Um, well, for so you know, I I actually would argue that America doesn't even have a healthcare system, and here's why. Or we have the worst healthcare system in the world, and here's why. You put a dollar in for, and what do you get for an outcome? So if you put in, so if you went to the store and you went to buy, you know, a pack of strawberries, and you put five dollars on the the counter and you would leave with you know some strawberries but if you put five dollars on the counter and they gave you something totally different it's like well what did i just pay for i put this in to get the out a certain outcome in this country for the cost one and the actual outcome-based medicine that people have they're not the the goal and the motivation and the incentive of the system is not for um for the people and for the health of the people, the system at large. I, I had somebody send me an article from an extremely questionable news site. Uh, I believe it was called the New York Times. <laughs> well, anyways, but, no, but it was it was on it was on the um, on all the doctors that are leaving the current system. Oh right, yeah. Um, but uh, no, it was amazing that they're actually they're actually starting to print this. Last year. Um, they had 117,000 doctors leave the medical system in America and only 40,000 new doctors come in. Now, why is that? Well, part of it is, and it's not just burnout. It's not, that's not what's happening. It's, I believe part of it is cognitive dissonance. When you, because you cannot continue to do something that you know is not right and stay sane. Either you change what you do or you change what you believe. So, so either you change what you do, uh, meaning you leave this that system, which is what 117,000 doctors did, or you change what you believe, which is like, okay, these aren't people; these are resources to be extracted from. Yes, these me these medical records and this coding and the system is fine. This is the way to do it. This is how everybody does it. It's fine. They check themselves at the door. But the guys that took their healers' oaths seriously. Those ones cannot continue to stay in that system. When they swore to do no harm and they were incentivized by the system in this country to do exactly the opposite over these last years to the tunes of tens of thousands of dollars at the death and the demise of innocent people that came in trusting them. And they know that. And that's on them. For the ones that still have any shred of a conscience left, they're leaving. Now, the thing is, the way the way the system is designed, uh, that that the business of medicine is, they also part of the trap is indebting all of these guys, all of these men, all of these women that go into that. They they think they want to take up this noble profession of being a healer, right? Then they indebt them in the tune of six figures you know, a high, you know, a very large amount for many of them. 
And then where do you practice? How do you recover that? Because now you're indebted. So well, now- And the only way to treat people in that system is to put them on pharmaceutical drugs, which make them sicker. Because that's what they, that's what they push. That's what they approve. So here's, here's a question I've asked doctors this in America. I have yet to have one person come back on me on this. The medical license in America today, if somebody has a medical license, is that a guarantee that that person will uphold their Hippocratic oath to do no harm? Yes or no? No. No, exactly. And so therefore, what is the medical license in America? The medical license in the United States is um, the James Bond license. You know, it is, it, it, it is in this country, what is, it, it's, a, it's a license to kill them more or less right. because, because, what, because what you are allowed to do, what is the license? A license is permission to do something that would otherwise be illegal, right? And so you are allowed to do something. You are allowed to do, in this, during this entire last three years, people were allowed to do things that it, in any other context would have been criminal, but because they were licensed to they do were it- encouraged They were encouraged to. Encouraged to do it within a particular context. They did things that would otherwise be unlawful. And the legality of it, if we actually have proper due process take place in this country after the fact, and, and if we actually go through this process, there's gonna be a lot of people a lot of people that are in a lot of trouble for their role and their participation in hurting and harming many people across this country. You know, so- I would I would argue that we don't need licensing for anything because if you hold out a, a you know that's the the libertarian in me the if if yeah. you hold out a shingle that says healer and you suck at it. Well, now we've even got reviews online used to it just was your reputation. <laughs> Nobody's going to go to you if you're the per guy who saws off the wrong leg. We don't have to, you know, that that takes care of itself. If you're awesome, I don't care yes. if you have a license or not. If you're healing people, if people go in, see you a few times and they come back and they've got their diabetes under control or they've got their, their cancer went away, people, your people are going to go see you. I don't think you need a license. hundred percent. And so, and, but we, what we do need to do is protect the true healers that are out there that so that they can do that because how often have you seen people that come forward with some way to get people well and then shortly after that the powers that are ingrained in this country show up and try to take away those remedies or shut those people or they're found dead that's been happening a lot yeah well yeah we're coming into a very dicey time even more so than previously, but that's going to be happening on all sides. Okay. So one of the things I love is this new, um, uh, new method of rewarding doctors. The way doctors get rewarded now is, well, it's not much of a reward. They have to wait for their payment to come in through an insurance company. The insurance company is a middleman that takes all this money. And the doctor wants you to come in, wants you to come in as much as possible because that's how they make their money. They come in, come in, come in, come in, come back, come back, come back. And then I make my money. You and um, the Ministry of Health have come up with this incredible uh, method of 
that the doctors get rewarded for their patients actually being healthy and not coming in because the way it works is, can I talk about this? Can I? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of pieces that are going to be coming together that we will be much more open about in the future, but yes, the incentive okay. of the system is. In, yeah. Okay. You go ahead and talk about that and tell a little, whatever it is you want to share with everybody about the, the work you've been doing. Yeah, so we and we're we're going to be probably doing another show in the future on all of this when we have more to be able to 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 show and to reveal. But in the short term, America does have a Ministry of Health. We have a Ministry of Health that is for and by the people, which is also with the outcome based being our the goal of the ministry is healing for humanity, body, mind, spirit. That's what we're doing, right? And one of the one of the purposes of the ministry is being is allowing for the people to back to consent, right? To consent into and consent out of certain things. So people are choosing to opt into a place where that, those that are in there are actually committed to that goal that we just shared. You know, they're committed to a statement of faith that that is something that they all believe about who humanity is, who we are, how we relate to each other. What is a human? The, the 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 human's life should be maximized in its in its in its manifest state. We're here. We're, we're manifestations. We're in a breath state. We, while we're breathing, we should be, you know, on each other's side and helping each other to maximize this journey. So, with regards to the incentives, there's a lot of there's a lot of technical pieces around all of this that's coming together. But there's different stages too, and we're we're going to be doing this in different different iterations as we go forward for for this for not just for Texas but for to to offer this far and wide throughout America. And so but this in, is an alternative healthcare system that is actually um geared toward health of human beings to to but, finding out what the the root causes of disease are and rooting them out and keeping people healthy from the beginning so that they don't end up getting sick to begin with. Um, and so it's an alternative health system. What what do people what can people know about it now, and how can they get involved? Well, if you if you'd like to know more as an individual, you want to follow up, you see this show, just send an email to info at ministryofhealth.us. What I can tell you about it right now is that it is coming together. There's some powerful, amazing, amazing solutions that are coming together. Um, with this to help support the underlying infrastructure that this is going to be, whether it's technology-based, whether it's around the actual places, whether it's around the doctors and the ideologies of what they will bring forward. There's a, there's a lot happening right now. I can tell you, ideologically, the difference being these are on the doctors and the healers. These are people that take their oath seriously, that are their goal is to is to for the health and the well-being of their people and for the people themselves these are people that um they're tired of sick care they're tired of disease management and these are people that are just basically saying you know what it can be different than this america in the world the united states in the world is 33rd in the world in health but we spend 4.1 trillion a year we spend more than any other country by far. We spent 20% of our budget in this country on quote unquote healthcare. And yet we're terrible, dismally terrible as a nation for something that is for the benefit of the health and the well-being of people. Yes, we live in a toxic soup. Yes, we're being bombarded by all kinds of things 
around us. We can deal with each and every one of these things step-by-step, step, systematically. We can actually address this. We can have a nation that is for and by the people. Our place of what we're doing is working on one piece of this, while others that we know are working on other parts. We're working on one piece of this, and this is around the private domain health and health systems as a vessel that supports um, what many people out there are doing and creating. So we're we're putting together the infrastructure and also the, the ways and means for a lot of the stuff to go out and to get far and wide. So um, yes, the incentives for the doctors, we're streamlining a lot of things because actually the broken public system too, um, one of the big issues around it is that it's extremely bureaucratic. There's so many parasitical forces that um, live off the business of medicine, off of something bad that happens, right? And so they're all waiting for these choke points. Oh, okay, somebody broke their leg. Now, therefore, everybody jumps on that incident. And, you know, what you need is the person themselves, they just need their leg to be set. And they need some care. And they need a, a smooth, streamlined process to get them well. They don't need the rest of it. They don't need the rest of their drama. Um, people can find something else to do than to prey on the, the, the weak and the vulnerable. We've had enough of that. The new earth that we're coming into is, is a time of taking care of the weak and the vulnerable. The way that doctors get paid now is by you coming in for a visit and then them prescribing you drugs and the, the kickbacks they get from the drug companies. And this is a totally different way where the doctors are going to be getting paid a nice, handsome sum, perhaps more than they make already right now. And their incentive then is for none of the people in their pool of, of patients to come in at all. If they can keep all of us 100% healthy by teaching us about nutrition and exercise and sunlight and clean water and getting off of pharmaceuticals, they can teach us all these things to keep us from being toxic, teach us to uh, cleanse ourselves with parasites and whatever. Um, then we don't go to the doctor and they just get a long, really lovely paid vacation. That's the ultimate, that's their incentive is to keep this, us this from coming be, in. Yeah, this will be in stages, but yeah, we can get to the point where the incentives for the doctors and the healers is going to be for the health of their people. But how that works is, is we have to change what the incentives and the incentive structures are in the first place. So even when you, you mentioned the insurance models and the cost of many of these interventions, um, first of all, a lot of things that are done are not necessary for the people. Then uh, the cost of these things are also extremely bloated because of all these other um, non-value added actors that are engaged in the process to extract value from this incident. So just those few things alone you start removing this bloat, this excess, this waste, these parasitical forces from a system, and then you start saying what actually needs to be there. It gets extremely streamlined and extremely exciting about what's possible. So it's a lot of work. Um, there's, some, there's some great people that are connecting with this conversation right now. So yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a big, it's, it's a, it's an extremely big elephant in the room, but um, this is one thing that, that um, and, I, and I hope there's other projects that are out there. I hope everybody has great success with what they're doing, but we're looking at something that can work for this entire country. 
So that's on that medical side. So if you're listening to this, if you can, you know, somebody needs to create a mint and start creating little tiny silver coins that we can all start using as an alternative currency. Somebody mm -hmm. needs to open alternative banks where we can put whatever it is, maybe real money, maybe gold and silver into the bank. Um, somebody needs to create alternative uh, education, higher education that uh, that isn't getting money from the government to to have certain curriculums involved. Uh, if you can create local little homeschool co-ops, um, even to the smallest thing, to growing some food and having a little bit left over for some people in your neighborhood, there you could sit down right now and brainstorm fifty things that you could do to help move humanity forward in the right direction. Mm -hmm. and uh, just take a step in one of them that, that, that makes you excited. Absolutely. And let me, let me point people to a few projects that I'm aware of that are pretty good out there. Uh, the guys from Liberty Dollar Financial Association, those guys, um, they've been doing the silver-backed currency. They're, they're moving forward pretty well. That's something you guys can check out. LDFA.nl is the, is the site there. Um, and because they are doing a silver-backed currency. And they're setting it up for, and here's the thing too, they learned through, you know, try, through some, at one point, the Secret Service had them on their dial tone, and they were an option to ask about them when you're calling in, because so many people are calling about, because if you didn't know, Secret Service handles counterfeiting, that's part of what they do. And so um, they were at one stage in the 80s, so many people were calling in, and they were having this, because they were getting so many calls, they just put it as part of the menu. And they said, yes, this is a this is a private organization. Yes, they issued this. Everything's fine, whatever. But um, you can't, so this is back to an arcane civil, civil uh, after the Civil War piece of legislation. You can trade warehouse receipts, but if you've got an actual uh, denomination number on, you, then that's some place where things get a bit sticky. So. You can have you can have the physical silver and have the receipts for it, kind of like what the U.S. dollar was at one point in time. Um, you can have that, but you you can and you can have that as a paperback asset if you are trading that on a receipt for actual silver held. Or you could have a if you're going to do a digital any kind of digital transfer, do it with something that's 100% or completely or whatever the ratio is backed. Make sure that that's there and that's in place. They're doing that. If you're talking about food projects, look at uh, Food Forest Abundance, Jim Gale. Great thing to look at those guys and what they're doing there. Um, Energy-wise, I'm waiting for a couple more things to check out, but I know some tremendous things that are happening on the energy front. Uh, healing free energy? Do you know anything? Is it is it free energy yet? Are we there? It's, well, here's the thing. I, I, I believe from just more and more of what I see, we're actually behind as far as technologically what we've had compared to what's been here in the past. Um, and I believe this is by design, by the things that have been repressed and kept away from the people. We should not as a society and as a world be in a situation where people are spending so much of their time and energy just to try to furnish the basics. Mm -hmm. So food, water, clothing, shelter, you know, medical. That shouldn't consume the bulk of your of what you go and work for to create, to then to then achieve, to receive, to have, right? Every one of those things should be a nominal cost 
Indigenous for, cultures had more time on their hands than we do. Well, we yeah, and and this is all by design. So, but from what I've already seen, I'm I'm aware of some tremendous things that actually solve a lot of this stuff. Um, the question is, will it? How far will will it come out? You know, how far? And back to them, the people. You know, do we the people support these things when they are? coming out or do we just watch from the sidelines? Do we protect those people that are doing that kind of work? Or do we just kind of watch from the sidelines and say, um, let's see how they do. You know, that happens way too often. People just watch from the sidelines and say, oh, that person's willing to take a risk. Let's see how they do. You know, we should be supporting everybody that's doing anything in this regards from with a, with a good heart and a good intention. You know, not everybody's gonna get things right, but at least they're doing something, right? Um, so I do believe that those are areas where, so in each one of these base level human needs, things that we can, if we can get those things solved. And if those are, those are areas where, um, the people themselves are, are engaged in that process. We see that the things are being built in the right way. Um, we will not be rolled into any one of these globalist agendas. On the contrary, those things will collapse because they don't have the staying power. Those globalist agendas only work if we're in them because theirs are parasitical agendas that need us to power them. If we don't participate in them, they fall apart. Just look at any social media that's out there. If people are not on them, those companies fall apart. But well, look at China. I don't think those people what happened? I mean, they that the social credit system is well underway. There are people who cannot get an airplane ticket. They can't travel. They can't do anything because they spoke out against their government. That's where we're headed. How? I mean, the the the, the what happened there? The, the the Chinese people didn't. I guess they didn't see it coming. They were already communists. They were already trained to be to do what they were told. It's it's a little bit of a mixed bag with what happened with China from part of what I've seen, but. The thing is, is that there are some uniquenesses in in how the people relate there. Um, it's a bit more of a collectivist society than America. This is this is where I think America has more more hope to turn things around here than in other places. Because here we, you know, there is especially in Texas, there's something very heavily ingrained in these people here about freedom, right? You know, like just just that aspect. In 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 China, the 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 aspect of convenience, also the CCP and their lock on the people there, people a lot of people were afraid. But just as that, they continued, don't have the Second Amendment. I can't forget that. That's a huge one. You know, every time that, and you get a lot of people that come over from China, and the ones that do come into this country, there's many of them that will say, "Don't ever give up your guns." You know, to the people in America. Never, ever, ever in America give up your Second Amendment, no matter what they say or how they do it, because that has always been a goal to remove. It's back to power. Remove the power from the people. Right. That is an element of power in the hands of the people. It's it's an outlier They because even if they try to 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 come in and do certain things, if you have a population that is completely unarmed, they are just get mowed over. But if you have a population that's armed, sure, people people say, oh, you know, whatever they might say, it is an element of, it is a 
force multiplier in the hands of the people. So I would much, so whether you have an old man in a house and three guys show up at his door, you give him something where that equalizes. And it, if nothing else, it makes people think about going into that guy's house. Same with a woman. Say, if you if you support women's rights, you should support a woman's right to care, period. Like she should be able to, to and, and they should not be trying to take these things away from, um, from good, honest, hardworking people that just want to have some ways and means of protecting themselves. And also um, uh, as a, it is part of what keeps governments in line. Sound money keeps governments in line. A, a, uh, an armed population keeps governments in line because they know that they cannot run roughshod over them. And, you know, I've heard that the story they're being told in Europe and probably other places in the world about us is that it's awful to live here. They're told that the United States is horrible, that it's crime ridden, just the our, that we're scared all the time, that it's a thug world out there. And there's plenty of videos from, you know, subway stations and places, you know, where awful things are happening. There's plenty of videos where uh, there are awful things happening in the United States, but that's like a teeny, teeny, teeny percent. I mean, we, on the whole, from, I mean, I've been traveling around, it's a, um, it's a wonderful place to be. And I'm saying that to everyone out in, in the rest of the world. Yes, we're armed. And yes, it's safe because we're armed. So it is. No, I, I would, I would, here's the thing. If you have a problem, right? Well, what do people do? They call um, somebody that's armed a good guy with a gun. Well, the difference between that good guy with a gun being, you know, 15 minute response time or 20 minute response time versus 10 seconds, you know, I would much rather the good guy with the gun be 10 feet away from me. Right. That's rather. what they when when seconds matter, the cops are only 20 minutes away. Yeah. Well, right. so this this is well known. Uh, you know, it was, um, oh gosh, it, yeah, it, it, it's, this is, this is just, it's so well known by the people that actually deal with this issue, um, and, and actually are on, on aware of how this works and the agendas around, um, around disarming populations. I, you know, the, what's happened and what's taken place in countries like Sri Lanka. Well, who's armed in that country? The military is armed, the police are armed, and the police are extremely cold. Um, the, the, the mob, the yeah. criminals, they're armed. And the, the militants and the terrorists, they were armed. The general population were just at the mercy of all of these, these groups. You know, when they locked people down in that country during COVID, there were military checkpoints every 500 meters. You could not go anywhere without guys with guns standing there to look at your papers, right? Or to look at your past or whatever it is. That was the situation when in that country during COVID. Now for what? A fake virus, a globalist agenda, trying to inject people, all the garbage that now is clear as day for everybody beginning to do an audit of this last three years. But these guys were standing there with guns, taking away people's vehicles, remanding people doing all kinds of horrible things because they had that they had that brute force that they could use and use as a bully tactic on the population in america never ever dream of giving up your guns 
And if you want to as an individual, but don't ask somebody else to do it. Right. Exactly. When you get in trouble, don't ask somebody with a gun to come help you. Yep. So we're going to have to wind it up. Govinda, I, so we're leaving it so hopeful. I just, this is such a hopeful and helpful uh, discussion that we've had today. And so um, I will put everything we've talked about in the show notes. And is there anything that you'd want to leave us with? I, I want just to say that there are answers, there are solutions, there are tremendous ways forward. You know, Buckminster Fuller, he said, that humanity is going to go oscillate between either going off into oblivion or this incredible solution based, you know, I just, we're, I'm butchering his quote, but it's basically, we're going to go between one or the other. And we won't know until the end of how it's going to go. I, from what I'm seeing and what I see from just even the people in my circles, we're going to go on the side of this incredible journey for into an incredible experience for humanity and whoever's with us that's going to be the ones that experience that i would welcome anybody listening to this to be part of that to be part of that journey to be part of this experience of humanity not the fear-based consciousness but to rise up into your true self take some courage move forward take some action in line with your best interest and the best interest of everybody else around you do that and you're going to be very encouraged with what happens in your life it is a blank canvas and we are all fractals of the, of the divine. We get to create this. So why would we go along with something, anything less than, than beauty and health and love and forgiveness? We're still human. We're still going to screw things up royally. It's just, we're really good at that, but we can create something better than what we've had. And so I have just completed the longest interview I've ever done. Govinda, this really? is almost two hours. Oh <laughs> um, wow. Uh, can't wait to have you on when you're ready to talk more about the ministry. Yes, of and um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your time and your talents and your love with humanity here on Freedom Junkie Radio. Thank you. It's, been, it's been a pleasure. Bless you, everyone listening. Um, keep on keeping on. And we, we, it's there's beautiful things on the horizon for those that are on the side of truth. So the truth the, the truth. truth the truth all right signing off everybody ciao for now bless y'all